Well, a good morning and good morning to those people who are joining us on Facebook. You know, we've been going through a sermon series on bravery. So a few weeks ago, pastor asked me if I would fill in this week and do a sermon series on, you know, do a message on being brave. And so it got me thinking, you know, about different characters in the Bible who I could talk about being brave or maybe how I can inspire you guys to be brave in your own life. But where does bravery come from? How do we decide that it's time to step up and not care about what other people think? How do you get the courage when you need it? When life threatens you and you just want to curl up into a ball. When something bigger comes your way and you just feel like running away from that giant. I believe it's easy to tell people in the face of opposition, you just need to be brave, you know, but it's a lot different when we face it ourselves. There are things in life which are hard to face. Sometimes there are people who are hard to face. There are situations that are hard to face. Courage to some people may be standing up for somebody who can't defend themselves. To others, courage may be being honest with somebody, even if those words might hurt. Some people may have the courage to start their own business, where some may have the courage to leave a job because that job is toxic and it may cause them and put them in situations that is not good for them. To students, courage may be not giving in to peer pressure, and peer pressure definitely doesn't stop when you leave school. And to some, courage may be an open your heart fully to somebody who you really care about and who you really want in your life. There are many acts of courage every single day. Some people would say a police officer or a firefighter or our men and women on the front lines serving in the military are courageous. But today, I want to define the characteristics of a courageous Christian. So what is courage? How does the Bible define courage? Courage is defined as the ability to do something that frightens oneself. Simply stated, courage is being motivated from the heart to do something brave. When we look at biblical bravery, I want to know, are you brave enough to live biblically? And I think a lot of people would say, well, of course, Pastor Luke, I, I live biblically. But I think we need to really look at the Bible when we say, yes, I'm ready to live biblically. I'm ready to live the courageous Christian life. Because I'm telling you, if you are ready to step up and live the courageous Christian life, there are some times that life is going to be hard. There are some times that life is going to be intimidating. There are some times where life may be lonely. And there are certainly going to be times when you decide to start living courageously in a Christian life. There are going to be times where you just want to say, is it even worth it? You're going to say, I can't take the isolation from my friends and family anymore. I can't take the ridicule for this life that I walk. And I certainly can't face all those fiery darts that Satan keeps throwing my way. So are you ready to step up and live the courageous 
Christian life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we can dig into your word. Thank you for the words that you have given to me. Let me just be able to speak them as you wish. When we walk out those doors today, let us be ready to live the courageous Christian life. In your heavenly name, amen. It's time for us to get brave as a church. It's time for us to put into practice Philippians 4.8, which says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. It's time for us to stand up for the truth. It's time for us to stand up for our purity. It's time for us to stand up for what is right and start living for righteousness sake. And when we say we are going to live righteous, what that means is we are going to have right living according to the Bible. And in case you haven't noticed what the world deems as right and what the Bible deems as right are two totally different things. There are Christians, even Christians who are out there, who will turn and twist every bit of Scripture just to make themselves feel good. One thing that I see a lot, it was a quote by Tupac Shakur, and he says, Only God can judge me. And I see Christians even saying that, Hey, listen, only God can judge me. Don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. When I hear that, what I think most of the time is what they're saying is, hey, don't tell me how to try to live my life because I'm going to live in sin if I want to. They don't, because if you're really afraid that only God can judge you, that should scare you. I tell you right there, even by how us Christians live our lives. If you say only God can judge me, that should scare you. Church, it's time as we as Christians, as followers of Christ, Get a little fire in our bones to what truly matters to God. We serve a God who loves us, who wants us to flourish, and wants us to prosper. We serve a God who is about truth, it's about life, he's about marriage, he's about purity, about holiness, he's about womanhood, he's about manhood, and so much more. We serve a God who is loving and kind and gracious. And he has standards because he wants to protect us emotionally, physically, and spiritually. We serve a God who deserves our reverence and respect and our humility. And we should be out there on the front lines fighting for God's design and purpose. God deserves our first and best of everything. What I would love to see, I would love to see Hundreds of brave, courageous Christians rise up here from New Hope. Step out those doors into your community, into your workplace, into your family. And change somebody else to be a courageous Christian. So we can see thousands from Northeast Ohio rise up and live the courageous Christian life. We have an opportunity right now in this building today for the people who are watching on Facebook, for the people who listen later in the week to make an impact for God. 
if you choose to live courageously. Our culture is dependent on it. And we need to be godly examples. I see way too many, you know, artists out there, way too many actors who stand up on stage and say, you know, everything I have, I owe this to God. But yet, they portray an unmarried couple on TV with multiple sexcapades. We see politicians who claim to be Christians, but yet nothing of their policies line up with anything biblical. We see music artists who stand up there and say, you know what, I want to thank God for this award, but yet time and time again, there are references in their lyrics talk about the multiple people they're hooking up with at the club. Hope you're ready for this today. I know it was an impact on me to try and, you know, figure out all these characteristics that even I struggle with sometimes. So number one, to be a courageous Christian, you have to be a God-defined person. There are many people and many verses in the Bible that we can look to that would teach us how to be a God-defined person. Psalms 119, go ahead and turn to Psalms 119. We're going to look at a couple verses from there. Psalms 119, starting in verse 1. Actually, later on, read the whole chapter of Psalms this week, just throughout the whole thing of Psalms. It really teaches us how to live courageously. It really teaches us how to be humble. So starting in verse 1 of Psalms 119, it says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame having my eyes fixed upon your commandments. So I'm looking to the Bible to see what I should and what I shouldn't be doing. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statures. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. With my whole heart, I will seek God. Let me not wonder from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes, which my lips declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much in all the riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes, and I will not Forget your word. When I think of David, I think he is one character in the Bible who I would really say is God defined. In 1 Samuel 13, Samuel goes to Saul and says, listen, God has placed somebody else who is going to be king because you are not following him. God has placed somebody who is a man after his own heart. Even before David was king, 
Even before he killed Goliath, even before he was anointed to be king at the age of 13, God said, this man is going to be a man after my own heart. This man is righteous. This man here is God-defined. So what does it mean to be God-defined? What does it mean to be a man or woman after God's own heart? One, you have to be obedient. You have to be obedient to the word. You have to be obedient to God. When God tells you not to do something, you don't get as close to the line as possible. No, when God says, hey, that is not something you should be doing as a Christian, you make sure you stay as far away from that line as possible. When God sets standards or commandments, he does that for our benefit and for our purpose. He does that because he's trying to protect us, not because he wants to control us. Second thing you have to be, if you're God-defined, you have to be dependent. When Samuel went to anoint Saul, he was hiding in a pile of luggage or baggage because he was afraid. And he was hoping he would just pass over him and choose somebody else. We're going to contrast that with David's God-dependent response when his situation was much more different than that. After the Amalekites took hostage, David was extremely frightened that his own men would stone him to death for not properly protecting their families. And rather than running or hiding, David strengthened himself in the Lord, as we see in 1 Samuel chapter 30. David turned to God during his most difficult times rather than running or hiding. David was a dependent person. The country knew they could count on David. And if you want to be God-defined, you have to be repentant. David made lots of mistakes in his life. He was not called a man after God's own heart because he was pure perfect or pure and without blemish. No, he was called a man after God's own heart because he did what he knew was God honoring. He was obedient, he was dependent, and he was repentant. After his affair with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband, and they finally found that out, David didn't try and make up some excuse. Well, you know, no, he stood there in shame. Because he knew he had let the Lord down. He admitted to what he was, what was done. How quickly are you repentant of your sin? When you know you have done something wrong, how quickly do you go to God and say, God, I'm sorry for that. Please forgive me. Repentance isn't just asking for forgiveness. True repentance is turning around 180 degrees and totally walking away from that sin, totally walking away from that point in your life, totally walking away from that stronghold or that habit. That is true repentance. When you are God-defined, you strive to serve the king and his kingdom. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God. When you seek the kingdom first, that means you go to God first for help. He is your first priority. We have to remember this. 
we aren't just saved from our sins, but we are saved for the glory of God. Are you God-defined? If you can't answer that today, that yes, I am God-defined, maybe you have never put your trust in Him, and I invite you today to do that. Don't walk out the door without making that decision. At the end of my life, I want to be so God-defined that God looks at me. As I go into heaven, he says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Number two, when you decide to live the courageous Christian life, you pray like it matters. Living a prayerful life is so important. I think a lot of us, we get into this routine of prayer where we just say the things that are on our mind real quick. Maybe we say a quick prayer before dinner, a quick prayer before we wake up. And sometimes when we go out to eat, we don't even pray there because we're afraid of what everybody else around us is going to look at us and think when we stop to pray. Sometimes we're like, well, you know, this meal's hot right now. I'm not going to take a minute to pray and thank God for it. I don't want it to get cold. It is our job as the church. It is your job as parents, as grandparents, for your children, your grandchildren to see you praying. If they are not seeing you pray, the chances that their prayer life is going to be strong have decreased greatly. We need to be an example in our prayer lives to our family. Prayer is not just asking God for things or thanking Him for the things that He has given to you. When you have true prayer, true private prayer, it's a conversation with God. Just like you'd hold a conversation with anybody else. When we look at prayer, we look at Daniel in the Bible. I think everybody here probably knows the story of Daniel. So they, one day these men, they went to the king and they didn't like Daniel. They're like, hey king, listen. You are awesome. We just want to tell you how great you are. But I don't think everybody knows how great you are. You should make a law. You should make a law that nobody is allowed to pray to God or any gods. The only person they're allowed to pray to is you. We should make that law for the next 30 days. And the king's thinking, you know, King Darius is like, you know what? I think you're kind of right. I am kind of awesome. I'm, I'm probably the goat around here, you know? We will go ahead and make that law. We'll make that. Nobody's allowed to pray. But Daniel prayed like it mattered. He knew that was the law. And he knew that if he prayed, he was going to be thrown into the lion's den. He didn't try and hide his prayer. No, he left his windows open just like he always did. And prayed three times a day. Because he knew that it was important to talk to God. He knew how to be courageous, and he knew that God would bless him for that. Jesus, we can look at Jesus in his prayer life. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was taken away, he prayed so hard that it said sweat drops of blood came falling off of his face. Because he was so much into prayer. And even while Jesus was on the cross, Even while he was being crucified, he still 
called out to his Father in heaven and prayed, but not for himself. He prayed for the ones who were crucifying him. In Second Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, there's a, there, there's a, there's a step of progression here. First, you have to humble yourselves and pray and seek my face. And then you turn from your wicked ways. Then I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Men and women who are strong for Christ because they realize how absolutely weak they are without him. They understand that without Christ's help, they are doomed to fail. Rather than getting caught up in the battles of this world, they take their battles to the Lord in prayer. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue steadfast in prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. So you're always praying. Always on guard. A courageous Christian will get on their knees and pray like it really matters. They fight the battles of this world by seeking the face of God. They pray with an expected anticipation for God to work. They believe that prayer changes people and it changes outcomes and it changes their life. So they're serious about it. An authentic Christian will take the time to pray. A courageous Christian, they will search for truth and look for lies. Rather than just hoping that they're making the right decision, they will seek out godly counsel when they need it. And they will look to the Bible to see if what people are telling them lines up with it. There are people who are out there who are going to tell you that you are no good. They're going to tell you that you're a failure. They're going to tell you that you are never going to amount to anything. They're going to tell you that you have messed up so bad that God could never forgive you. When somebody tells you that kind of garbage, I want you to remind them of some of these characters in the Bible. Abraham... He messed up. He didn't wait for God's timing. And he had an affair with his servant just to have a child. Moses was a murderer, but yet God still used him. Rahab was a prostitute. David was a murderer and an adulteress. And Paul, one of the most most famous Christians of the New Testament, wasn't just a murderer, but he killed Christians for a living. And Peter. People probably told Peter, you are never going to amount to anything. And Peter, the same disciple who denied Jesus three times, was the same disciple who preached on the day of Pentecost where thousands of souls were saved. So when somebody tells you that you can't do something, you need to look at them and say, that is a lie because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Anything that God places in my heart, 
I can do it. People are going to tell us that we can't raise, that we can't get a thousand shoes by the end of this year. But we know all things are possible with God as long as we are looking to Him for our help. We need to look for the truth and look for lies. Jesus is the truth. In John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am not a way. He said, I am the way. Muhammad isn't going to save you. Buddha isn't going to save you. Praying the rosary and confessing your sins to the Catholic priest is not going to save you. The only thing that's going to save you is Jesus Christ himself. The slain, resurrected Lamb of God. You want to search for truth? Then pick up a Bible. Because in Matthew seven seventeen it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. There are people who are out there who claim to be Christians who are going to fill your head full of garbage that is not anything biblical. Two of the biggest lies that I see Christians tell other Christians is one, God wants you to be happy. Well, yes, God does does delight in your happiness. God wants you to be holy, first of all. And two, the other thing, the other lie that is out there is God won't give you more than you can handle. I know your marriage is going through a rough patch. I know you lost your job and your house is on the line. I know you have cancer and the treatment isn't working. But you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. If I can handle it all on my own, if I can handle all those situations without God, then what would be the point of calling upon God? It's a lie that they tell us. And we need to watch for those lies. We need to make sure what people are telling us lines up with the Bible. A courageous Christian not only looks for lies in the truth, but also stops lies and gossip from happening and speaks the truth. Silence in the midst of a sin is a sin. When you see your Christian brother or sister struggling in a sin, and you just sit by and let them continue to do that, that is sinful in your own heart. When you hear somebody spreading gossip and rumors about somebody, and you just stand there and shake your head and be like, wow, and you don't stand up for that person, that is a sin. A courageous Christian stands up for the truth. They seek God first and pray to God and then they go to that person and they speak life into that person. You have to go to God first because you know good and well if you or me, we try to go to somebody on our own terms without seeking God, we're going to mess it up. We're going to say something we shouldn't and we're going to ruin that relationship. You go to them and you listen. And you say, listen, I know you are struggling with this pornography addiction. And I know your spouse doesn't know about it. But I believe you can overcome this. Your marriage will be so much better 
once you get free of this and you break these chains. Listen, I know you are in a world of debt and you're having to save a penny up just to be rich. But I like cars just as much as you, but you don't need five of them in your driveway. You go to them and you say, listen, I know you're struggling with your temper right now. And I know you're yelling at everybody and flying off the hook every single day. But I want to give you some verses that help me out when I was struggling with my temper. We go to people out of love, but yet a courageous Christian will speak the truth and stop lies. A courageous Christian waits for God's timing. I'm not going to dive into this one a whole lot because we just hit this a few weeks ago when I preached. You know, as you recall, we talked about Isaiah 40, 31, where it says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You want to be a courageous Christian? Then you need to wait for God's timing. There are some times where we want things right away. We live in this microwave generation where we just want to right, want it right away. Instead of, we need to be more like a crock pot. And we just need to let it sit for a little bit. We need to let it sit and marinate instead of wanting things right away. It takes time. It takes patience. And that will build your trust and faith in God. God's timing is always the best. I know you want your husband or your wife right now, but God said it's not time for it. You can get married now and not wait on God's timing. And in five years, you're just going to be a little bit more broken and a little bit more hurt. And God's timing will still come to pass. But God says, I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to keep you from harm. I'm trying to protect your emotions. Trust In God's timing. A courageous Christian will ask for help. Out of all of these that I was going over, I think this is the one that I struggle with the most. Asking for help. You can you can ask my wife. There are times that I'm trying to move something around in the house or we get something and I'm trying to carry it by myself instead of being like, hey, darling, can you help me? No, I'm trying to do it on my own. And we try and walk this Christian life by ourselves sometimes instead of relying on our friends and our family that's around us. Instead of relying on God. Last week at our camp out, the men's camp out, I thought I was the only one who struggled with this. Who really just wanted to do it on my own. But it came to me that a lot of people struggle with this. They're afraid. They're prideful. They don't want to be vulnerable. They think that if they are, if they ask for help, then they're a failure. Even the most brilliant, visionary, and talented people have achieved their success through a collective effort. Still, it takes courage and humility to ask Can you help me? Asking for help shows vulnerability. Something that nobody wants to say they are. But it also shows respect and a willingness to listen 
to other people. And those are qualities that every great Christian should possess. Maybe that's why our Christian leaders in our world are shrinking and shrinking. Because we don't want to stand up and ask for help. We don't want to admit that we can't do it on our own. We don't want to admit because we will feel like a failure. Go ahead and turn to Psalms chapter 120. When you are struggling with a sin, a habit, a hurt, a hang-up, there should be no shame in admitting that you can't do it on your own. But we are too afraid of what other people think and not concerned enough with what God thinks. Psalms 120 verses 1 and 2. Again, this is coming from David's heart. David said, In my distress... I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from my lying lips and a deceitful tongue. Look over to chapter 121. Psalms 121, verses 1 through 8. David says, I lift my eyes into the hills, and where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. Who keeps you, you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this forth time, from this time forth and forevermore. In Psalms 124, again, David says, If it had not been that the Lord was on our side. Again, he says, If it has not been that the Lord was on our side, let Israel say, Who was on our side? When the people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the followers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Whether it be from somebody in church, whether it be from somebody outside of church who you know has struggled with it, but more importantly, don't ever be afraid to go to God. For help. First Peter 5 7 says, Cast all your worries, all your anxieties, all your problems, all the things that are in your mind that you cannot get rid of. Cast all of those things upon the Lord, who has created you and cares for you so much. 
because he loves you and he wants to help you through everything you do. If you're new here, maybe you haven't heard this before. but I know a lot of people here know it. And when it comes to asking for help from God, when you get to the end of yourself, you get to the beginning of God. That is when you know that you need help, that you can't do it on your own. These struggles, these problems, these addiction, these hang-ups, these sins, we need to ask for help. That is what a courageous Christian would do. A courageous Christian will also ask for forgiveness and will forgive. A courageous Christian will not be afraid to admit when they are wrong. And here again is where we let our pride get in the way. We think that if we admit that we are wrong, that we failed and that somehow that makes us a failure. No, what that makes you is human. We all make mistakes. The key is recognizing them and admitting them. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as in its working. Not only do we ask for forgiveness, but we do something that is sometimes a lot harder, and that is we forgive. When you don't forgive, All you do is you hold that bitterness in. I would say unforgiveness is like an untreated cancer. It will just keep spreading and keep welling up inside of you. And one day, that unforgiveness is going to be the fall of you. With forgiveness comes humility. But also comes freedom. You can't be free from your past until you ask for forgiveness. But don't forget, don't don't expect people to forgive you if you still haven't forgiven somebody else. If you're still holding a grudge against somebody, don't expect everybody you think needs to forgive you to forgive you. Because if you can't do it, To somebody else, if you can't forgive, why should somebody forgive you? You may not even ever be able to see that person again in your life. But that does not stop you from forgiving them. Forgiveness is not about the other person. Forgiveness is more about you being humble. Micah 6.8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? First Peter 5 says that God gives grace to the humble. Holding a grudge does not, doesn't make you strong. It makes you bitter. Forgiveness doesn't make you weak, but it sets 
you free? What kind of forgiveness do you need to ask for? Or who do you need to forgive in your life? Are you willing to step up and say, I'm going to be a courageous Christian? I haven't spoken to this person in years, but I know I need to to make things right. A courageous Christian will stay the course. You will stay the course despite the opposition in your life that you face. We all know that you have to go through a little bit of dirt in order to grow, just like a plant. A courageous Christian have decided to be more than just a fan of Jesus. They have decided to be a true follower of Jesus until the very end. If there is one character in the Bible who knew about staying the course, it would be Paul. Go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. A little backstory on Paul, if you don't know. Like I said, Paul went around murdering Christians for a living. And on his way to Damascus, he saw the light. And it was God himself. And he had a transformation. And ever since that transformation... Paul was a God-defined person living out the Christian courageous life and staying the course. Paul went through a lot of opposition. Here in 2 Corinthians 11, we're going to hear some of the stuff that Paul went through. So if there's one person that I think could have been like, you know what, I'm giving this life up, it would be Paul. 2 Corinthians 11 2 Corinthians 2, I got 11 and verse 24. Let me see here. 2 Corinthians. And we are starting in. Yep, 2 Corinthians 11 starting in verse 24. Five times I have received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and night I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is this daily pressure on me of my anxiety from all the churches who is weak and I am not, who is made to fall and I am not. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and the Father of the Lord Jesus, who has blessed me forever, knows that I am not lying. If you turn over just a page, chapter 12, starting in verse 7, Paul says this, So to keep me from being conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, flesh a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being coming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said unto me, my grace is sufficient 
for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast more gladly about the weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with my weakness. The insults, the hardships, the persecutions, the calamities. For when I am weak, I am made strong. And I am only made strong by the power of Jesus Christ. Paul went through a lot. But despite the opposition, despite the hardships he faced, he knew that it was so much better to serve God than to serve the man of the world. In his second letter to Timothy, he said this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. A courageous Christian will keep going during the dark times and they will keep the faith keep the faith the most amazing things in life tend to happen right at the moment that you're about to give up hope faith is not believing that god can it is knowing that he will a courageous christian will keep their eyes on the finish line and not the turmoil all around them. And lastly, a courageous Christian will change the world. A lot of us have a favorite verse or a favorite passage. One of mine comes from Matthew 5. And it's a motivation scripture to me on how I should live out my life on how I know that people all around me are looking at me. They know that I'm an associate pastor. They know that I'm a Christian. They know that I claim to be a Christ follower. And I know that they're going to judge my every single move, my every single word. And you as people who claim to be Christians, they are going to scrutinize every decision you make Hoping that just one thing in your life doesn't line up with what you're saying. Hoping that one thing in your life doesn't line up with the Bible. So they can just say, you see that? That's why I don't go to church. Because you claim to be a Christian, but then this is how you live. You don't walk the walk. You may talk it all day long, but you don't live it out. A courageous Christian will live it out. So they changed the world. So Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14. Above, above this, if you look above Matthew 5 in the very first part, it talks about the Beatitudes. There are, ten other be, there are ten of these Beatitudes that we could expand upon about being a courageous Christian, about characteristics. So there's a lot more characteristics just right here in the Bible that teaches how to live. We're not going to get into them today, but Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 says, You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, 
but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. We are a light to other people. We have the opportunity to change the world. As long as you are living a courageous Christian life. In Revelation 3, John is writing his letter to the churches, warning them about foolish behavior. And here in 3, he's writing to the church at Laodicea. And he says, listen, I have heard about your church. I have heard what you are doing. And he says, you as a church, you are neither hot or you are neither cold. He says, you are lukewarm. And what God says, if you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Because if you're lukewarm, you're doing more harm than you are good. How are you changing the world? How are you setting out every day as soon as you walk out your front door to change the world? Just like the church there at Laodicea, some people say, well, I'm not really walking towards God, but I'm not really walking away from God. When you say that, chances are you are a lot further away from God than you think. People are looking at us. And how we are living our life. In the beginning of DC Talk's song, What If I Stumble? A quote by Brennan Manning. He says this, The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who announce God with their lips, then walk out the door and deny them by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. People are not confused by the gospel. They are confused by us. The world, it doesn't need my tie. It doesn't need my Jesus is my homeboy hoodie. It doesn't need my denomination or my favorite translation of the Bible. What the world needs is us to be a light. We can be passionate about what we believe. But we need to make sure that we are living it out. Like I said at the beginning, it's hard sometimes to live biblically. It's hard to stand up for what you believe in. It'll cause turmoil. It'll cause frustration. It'll call, cause hardships. It's going to cause heartache. Sometimes it will cause strife with your family. Sometimes being courageous is telling your family, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. Right before I got married, you know, my brothers were like, come on, man, we need to take you for a bachelor party. We need to go to the strip club. And, and time and time again, it's like, no, I'm not doing that. That's not something a Christian should do. 
Sometimes it's hard to tell your family no when they want you to do something that's not biblical, that doesn't line up with Scripture. So my question for you today is where are you struggling with living courageously? Where can you say, God, I need to work on that. I can do better. I can be better. I can forgive more. I can pray more. I can ask for forgiveness. I can be more of a light. God, I can be God-defined. God, at the end of my life, I want you to look at me and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want God to look down at me and say, That man right there, that woman right there, is after mine own heart. I know they want to truly please me because of how they live because of how they talk and what they do every single day. They are a light. They are living out Matthew 5. We're going to open up the altar for you to come and decide how courageous you want to live it out. Father God, we thank you for this day. We just ask now that as we walk out these doors today that we can say I am going to be a courageous Christian and I am going to live for you. No matter the cost, no matter the circumstances, no matter the hardships, no matter the struggles, I'm going to ask for your help I'm going to forgive. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to be humble and open and transparent. And I am going to be a light. Let others know you rule my life. In your heavenly and most gracious name, amen.